0: This is episode 10 of Extraordinary Women Radio. Welcome to Extraordinary Women Radio. I am your host, Cami Gilner. Women are being called to live with voice, vitality, and vigor. Each month, join me for wisdom-filled interviews with extraordinary women living out loud and making a difference in our world. I am so excited about this week's episode of Extraordinary Women Radio with Tamara McCleary. Tamara is the founder and CEO of Fulium, a brand amplification company specializing in B2B social media-based marketing in the tech space. That's my old stomping grounds, right? It's I love the tech world. And for me personally, as someone who has helped others build thought leadership brands for nearly two decades, I feel like Tamara offers some of the most relevant and grounded brand advice for our times, especially in the world of social media where there's just so much noise these days. And if you're one of my clients or listeners in the midst of taking the leap into your what's next, if you've gotten clear about your purpose, how you're meant to matter, and, and are ready to be really seen and be heard and put your voice out into the world in a bigger way, you don't want to miss this episode. Tamara is an internationally recognized expert on branding on influence and social business in the world of technology. She has deep expertise in both B2B and B2C marketing, social influence, and technology. Let me just give you a taste of how Tamara has been recognized as a social influencer recently. She is ranked in the top 1% of global social media influencers. She is listed as one of the top 50 social influencers of 2015, one of the top 50 Big Data Influencers of 2016. She is an IBM futurist and was ranked as the third most mentioned person on Twitter by chief marketing officers in 2015. In addition, in 2016, Tamara was named the number one most influential woman in MarTech by B2B marketing. So impressive. And during our interview today, Tamara shares so much rich wisdom about developing your social brand in a way that is true to who you are. And for those of you who know me, you know that's something I get really excited about. She gives great tips on how to build your online brand strategy, and she shares a litmus test for deciding what's worthy of posting on social media for your brand. Tamara talks about the difference between a popularity-focused strategy and a trust-focused strategy and how important it is to check our egos at the social media door. Top of all of this, she brings some real-world life wisdom by sharing deeply personal and vulnerable stories about her life and the lessons she has learned. So let's dig in and get to know Tamara McCleary. So welcome today Tamara.
1: Thank you. I am really honored to be here. And thank you so much for, for inviting me and to share with your audience. Oh, I, I'm excited. I know they're going to love you.
0: They're totally going to love you. And it's, it, was, it was fun because we got to meet last summer when we were at the the Sims Luncheon, that the, the, was the Society of Information Management for Women um, conference, the summer conference. And it was so great to meet you there.
1: It seems like uh, uh, ages ago since that conference.
0: <laughs> You know, right? It did, it did, but it's. I love getting out and meeting wonderful women at places like that, and yes, um, you know, so I'm just really was honored that I got to meet you that day, and I'm honored to have you on board
1: today. So fantastic, thank you.
0: Yeah, well, let's get in, and I want to hear some of your stories. And where I'd like to start is is about having you share a story about a defining time or situation that just forever shaped your life, something that perhaps change the path you were on or the journey you were on. Can you think
1: of a time of what that was and how it's changed things for you? You know, it's interesting that you asked me that question because there are so many of those moments in my life. I have not uh, lived a direct trajectory toward anything at all. And I've had so many times in which I had to reinvent or recreate myself, but one salient time that pops out, which I of course will never forget, is when my kid sister, um, her life was taken from us in a violent crime. Oh, wow! And I was just newly pregnant with my son, and I was thirty-four years old, and Mm -hmm. she was thirty-three.
0: Oh my gosh, Taylor,
1: younger. Yeah. And, uh, you know, it was such a defining moment for so many reasons, and it totally altered the course of the path that I was on. And a couple of things was, first of all, this was at the time when, do you remember when we actually had answering machines? Yes. Yes. <laughs> those those little
0: things <laughs> and and that they'd, they'd go across the room and everybody could hear in the room what, what was being recorded.
1: Right. Exactly. And you were so cool if someone was leaving you an awesome message and you were so not cool if someone was leaving, you. a bill collector was calling to claim that. <laughs> right. But, um, So it was a, it was, my phone was ringing and uh, the answering machine, I could hear it was my sister. And our relationship was defined by, she was always needing rescued and I was her rescuer. And, you know, she was always involved in bad relationships with, you know, abusive men and um, always got herself in trouble with uh, drugs and just the wrong crowd always. And it was always my job to be the one to you know, save the day, go to the shelter, collect her, or get her back on her feet. Um, yeah. I raised my nephew the first five years of his life uh, mm-hmm. because she couldn't, you know, she he actually needed pull to it help together. It. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So on this particular evening when she called, you know, I thought it was going to be for money again. And so I just uh, turned the the volume down and let her leave a message and thought I would get to it later, but I had no idea that she was calling and it would be just hours before you know we were going to lose her and yeah. so one one portion of her death for me that was really tough was a lot of guilt, uh, right. self inflicted guilt and I don't know if any of your listeners out there relate to me on this, but man, guilt is my gasoline. I can feel guilty about anything. <laughs> and, right. You know, if you want to really feel guilty, be a parent. Right.
0: Right. Exactly. But, uh, uh,
1: but I felt so much guilt and not that I could have prevented anything because we didn't even live in the same state, nor was she calling, uh, to leave me any sort of message about what was going on. But, you know, for me, it was just like missing that last opportunity to just be there, right? Right. And so that that was something that really haunted me. And you know, during her funeral, it was it was really really hard at that moment to say goodbye. There was so much pain and suffering with my parents, my siblings, and then she left behind two children, and and that was very difficult. But what I noticed, I guess, what really shifted or defined that change in my life was this absolutely crystal. Clear realization that even in our greatest moments of suffering and self-inflicted pain such as guilt, we have these reprieves that happen because our emotions are really like the waves in the ocean. They come and go, come and go. and i I, I guess I knew it, but I didn't really have this great awareness until this moment during her funeral when I am feeling absolutely grief-stricken and then. For just a moment, it all went away when I started thinking I was hungry, and I had the thought of a green chili burrito. Uh-huh. And I realized in that moment that I was when I was thinking about for a minute when I thought hunger, green chili burrito, everything else went away. The, the guilt went away, the sadness went away, and this is this really bizarre awareness moment, right? Like maybe, maybe I had this momentary enlightenment. And of course, it went right away, but I had this momentary enlightening moment of how incredibly powerful our emotions and thoughts are and that they don't last and they don't last it, you're
0: so right right it's it, it's that and i like the the vision that you put of you put there with the waves is is so powerful because it is it is always moving and changing no matter how dark it might seem at any given moment or how bright it might seem at any given moment it's going to be shifting exactly and
1: you know it was just It was absolutely brilliant to me in that moment to actually feel in every cell of my being the, this too shall pass. Right. And I guess for me, the reason it changed everything is I realized that she was gone and no longer had the ability to, you know, express herself. And it was a very short life being taken Mm -hmm. so young. Right. But why was I not taking more risks? Why was I not stepping into places that scared me? Because in the end, we all have an expiration date, right? So what are right. we waiting for? Yeah. What are we so afraid of? And not only that, but yeah, you know, we will be afraid. It is uncertain. It is a rocky road at times, but you know what? This too shall pass. Yes. Yes.
0: Yes. Yes. And so there's two points I want to, I want to go from off of this and I want to go down this place of stepping outside your comfort zone and how important that is. I want to just go back real quickly before we move on though to the, to the the guilt part part. So how did you move through the guilt? How did you let that go?
1: You know, I, I still struggle with guilt. Uh-huh. I wrestle with that angel. Sure. <laughs> yes, sure. But, I get it. But uh, what I what I have done is applied humor to it and just, you know, it's kind of like casting the knowing glance and mm-hmm. saying, oh, hello, guilt. There you are, my long time friend. Right. Catching yourself as yeah. you move into it right,
0: right away. You
1: know, just naming it, calling exactly. it out instead of... Um, instead of beating ourselves up over it. Cause you know, you can have guilt about having guilt.
0: Right. <laughs> exactly. Right. Or at least I can. Oh, I certainly can too. I tell I can get that. I tell it, It's like, you know, and, and I think, I think you mentioned it earlier As as a parents, we certainly find well, all kinds of guilt. It's like, you know, we play yeah. those games with ourselves all the time. And at the end of the day, we know that we are raising our children in the very best way that we can. And, and the guilt's not going to serve anyone. Um, so I totally get the guilt on guilt.
1: But it, it's funny when you say guilt on guilt, because there's these layers, right? And right. I think, you know, one thing that I've done is I've seen how funny we are. I've tried to, to laugh at myself and just human beings in general and catch myself, uh, you know, in these old patterns and, and having a sense of humor over it. Right. Because, you know, even... Even in parenting, I mean, I've gone through such struggles. My, I have a child with special needs, and my son is you know has you know a diagnosis of autism, and so neurodiversity is great, and I know we're all celebrating diversity, but anyone who has a neurodiverse child will understand what I'm saying, which is, "Wow, it's not easy um, and right. right it has its rewards for certain but it has its struggles too and i'm not going to sugarcoat anything um and try to put icing on a cake that is really a difficult uh road to walk sometimes right. and so there's so much guilt there because you know you, when you have a child that has struggles and challenges and deep needs you know, and a high needs child, you know, there are people out there who maybe their children don't have autism, but they're high needs children, you know, whether your child is gifted and excelling in certain things, there's also these exceptional children who have gifts in certain areas and deficits in others. And a lot of times I think as parents, we we struggle because we feel we weren't as patient as we could have been, or we weren't as wise as we could have been, or that we didn't realize something was going on with our child. And so we may have pushed them, um, not realizing that they truly were having a struggle. So there's all these myriad ways in which we can um, find creative ways to to torture ourselves as parents. But, mm-hmm. you know, and then you hear people say, you shouldn't feel guilty. And then you have the shouldn't on top of it. Right. Right. And we uh, should on ourselves, right? <laughs>
0: <laughs> all, all the time, girl. All the time, right. <laughs> and we should do this. We should do that.
1: So, yeah. you know, yeah. I, I do think though, one thing that, you know, at least I'm seeing now, I'm I'm 52 now. So one of the nice things of being a woman over 50 is you begin to not care about some of the things that you cared about in your 20s, 30s, and 40s. Right,
0: and really stand in our truth, right?
1: Yeah, and you know- Be honest and
0: vulnerable in it.
1: A little braver. Maybe it's because I realize I don't have as many years on the other half as I had on the first half. And so, Mm -hmm. hey, what do I got to lose? Right. But, you know, I think that, you know, looking back- Mm -hmm. I can see now that what, what's absolutely, positively the truth is that really all we have is right now. Really all we have is the experience that we're creating in this moment right now. And, um, you know, that that piece right there is, it, it's twofold. It's also, it's a little shocking to think about, but it's also freeing because it frees us up to be our best that we can be right now, even if we weren't our best five minutes ago. Right. And walk in a newness of life that is free currently in this moment once we wake up again to to who we really are. So we we always have
0: that choice to... No matter which you know where we find what which direction we find ourselves going in, to take a step back into who we are, to be our very best and move in that direction. I love that. That's really that's brilliant. Thank you.
1: You know, and I I, I meet a lot of women. I, I do an awful lot of speaking globally, and tr- you know, insane travel. Like you and I tried to get together all last month, and it couldn't happen. In May, I was home a total of eight days. And it's not normally that crazy, but sometimes it is. And in those times when I'm traveling like that, I meet women, not just in the United States, I mean, women in other countries. And there's one thing that we all have in common. And that is, I believe that women have an extraordinary gift to juggle a lot of responsibility and do amazing things. Women are so Resourceful, they are so resilient. And yes. I want to highlight that word. Yes. And because we have such a creative force within us, such a creative energy, I do believe that we are particularly skilled at reinvention. I would agree with that. So, you know, if anyone is listening and is wondering about, you know, wanting to try something different or wanting to try something new whether that would be in their professional career or in their personal lives the one thing i would say is yes do it because you know you you have this moment now we don't have you know all the time in the world and what is the worst that can happen to right. me you know, when you don't succeed at something, the worst that happens is you figure out how to do it better or along that path, an opportunity was brought to you that highlighted something even better that you would rather do or be involved in or create. So it's putting ourselves out there and it's, it's being, you know, there's three things that I think are critical to creating what we want to be in the world. And that is, you know, give ourselves a luxury of being real, you know, just be who you are. Mm-hmm. and That is so incredibly luscious. It feels so good just to be yourself. And so being real is absolutely critical critical, especially out in social media. Right.
0: right? You know, as, as you say that, it's really interesting because I think that so many women get caught into having a, you know, a work persona and a a, a personal life persona and what if, and there's it takes so much energy to do that, right? To be different people, you know, be different things at different times in your life versus just showing up as you are, who you are at your very core. And I think we... You know, I, I, I can think back to my old corporate days when I did the corporate kind of, you know, that was in the, as an executive space, I certainly played different hats in my life. And there was, when I finally found the wisdom to just be me, it opened up. And that's that, that thing that I love to help clients with more than anything is just to stop and slow down and tune into who are you at your very essence. Let's just be you and let's take that gift of you out into the world and make a difference with it.
1: You know, and the practical piece to that too, because I speak to an awful lot of women who are trying to recreate themselves right, bigger and better roles in the workplace, you know, an executive role. And, you know, the part about being you doesn't mean be the you that you were on Saturday during a picnic, you know, in the boardroom. That's not what I mean by that at all. What I mean is... You know, pick three adjectives that you would love to be known for at work. Yes, yes. And when you're at work, and these are adjectives that are really you. So this is still authentic. It's still truly transparent who you are. But take these three adjectives that really work best for you in the strategic way so that you can, uh, you know, get to that executive level if you want to be there. But, you know, what are those adjectives and how can you step into that and be that at work? And then you can do the same with home. You know, what, what kind of partner do you want to be? What kind of parent do you want to be? What kind of auntie do you want to be? You know, what kind of grandmother do you want to be? You know, pick three adjectives and that are truly you that maybe right. you would like to make sure you're expressing. Because what I find is that if you become strategic about keeping yourself expressing the adjectives that you like most about yourself that work in these different environments, is first of all, you'll stay in a higher place with your speech, with your behaviors, with your actions, because you're going to want to remain consistent with these adjectives. Second, you're really going to enjoy the consequences of being consistent in your behavior with each adjectives, because you know what, what they say is all true, is that everything that happens to you in your career to move you up mm-hmm. happens because of what people say about you when you're not in the room. Right. And so those decision points, you know, are made about you. So what do you want to be known for? What do you want to be known for with your family when you're not around? I mean, these these are important things. And I think it gives us a critical structure with how to guide, you know, what is is it that we want to talk about on social media? What is it that we want to write our book about? What is it that we want to you know do and say at home or at work this guides you if you are you know if you have clarity a vision and focus around the adjectives that you'd like to be known for right right
0: yeah and it's just it's just t- t- getting really clear about that intention behind it so that's that's great so that was one of them you said
1: yes and the second is be fearless be courageous and you know, what that is is stepping into your mastery in whatever it is that you want to do. If, if being courageous means taking that painting class, then be courageous. Don't, don't hold back. You know, be fully self-expressed. If being courageous is finally sitting down to write the book that you know you have inside of you that you've not written yet, then step into that, you know, Time's a ticking, let's do this. You can do it and right. be courageous at work. Um, go for the role. Don't, don't second guess yourself and think, well, you know what? I'm not sure if I really have all the experience. Maybe right. I need to mark a little more time. No, just go for it because you will learn what you need to know while you're in the role. And I'm confident that any woman would do that. Yes,
0: that's what we do, right? Yes. We, we, we we dig in, we listen, we what do we need to know? We we actually stretch ourselves in that sort of a way. Exactly. You know, earlier this week you posted a meme that said, "Magic happens outside your comfort zone," and I, I couldn't <laughs> agree. I saw that, I'm like, yes, I so agree with that. Can you share a time when you had to
1: really get outside of your own comfort zone? Oh my gosh, name name a moment. <laughs> and every day, <laughs> every day, ah. right? Well, you know, I think, I think if we're comfortable, we're not growing. Right. And this doesn't, and I'm not saying, you know, oh, you're not growing unless you're totally stressed out. That's not what I mean. Being out of your comfort zone doesn't necessarily mean you're stressed out, but it means it feels a little scary. Right. You know, you're doing something, you know, different that you don't know.
0: You feel it in your body differently, right? It's, it's that kind of jazzy feeling inside, like,
1: ooh, what am I doing here? Yeah. And it also can be, Exciting, yet terrifying at the same exactly. time. Exactly. And I think, you know, when you ask me how to, you know, what's a time even recently that I've stepped out of my comfort zone, it's kind of my anti-dementia, anti-Alzheimer's plan is to make myself do things differently every day so I don't get hooked into a routine or a pattern. Mm-hmm. And uh, some of that is also accepting some work in areas that are stretching and growing me where I have to learn more. So I've had to learn an extraordinary amount about 5G because you know, I'm into technology. Exactly. Total geek, geek girl. But, you know, I've had to learn about 5G and the implications for 5G with respect to augmented reality, virtual reality, how that's going to shift and change marketing um, I've had to learn an extraordinary amount about artificial intelligence, AI. Right. And I mean, because who of us knew this stuff even five years ago? Right. It
0: wasn't wasn't around five years ago. Right. So it's like this, this, this evolution of staying. So what I hear you saying is, is the learning part is really stretches you when you're learning new technology. That's, that's coming down the pipeline and into our lives. Um, so that, you know, getting familiar with what it all means. So just picking up and really learning
1: it. Yeah. You know, learning a new language, including coding, that's a language too, you know, or, you know, just deciding, okay, you know, here's another uh, pivot that I did that was massive that always has people going, huh? is I went from nursing so I was an RN back in the 1980s so I graduated from with my bachelor's of science in nursing in 1987 okay and you know now obviously everyone who knows me I I'm not practicing as a clinical nurse no you know, I'm, I'm actually working with companies globally on their marketing strategies, right. their right. storytelling, their messaging and connecting with their customer in the B2B and enterprise space. So it was like, how did you go from there to there? And I think it, it was a lot of little scary steps in between, but also exciting steps, right? Deciding that, you know, Hey, you know, in nursing, what do we do? We translate complex information into everyday language, so that everyday people can understand. That's what we're really good at. We're also yeah. really good at reading people. We're we're incredibly um, focused on uh, details as well as big picture. I think that makes for an extraordinary business person. Is totally you can do both, and then also the critical thinking skills and making decisions. I mean you would so, never want a nurse at your side who well, was kind of waffling on whether or not they should, you know, get that iv started and put on that o2. <laughs> you right. Just like snaps right. into action and knows what to do.
0: So you were able to take those skill sets that you were doing in in the nursing world and transform that into just a whole different um playground if you will.
1: Yeah, into my own company. Yeah, that's fantastic. So that's, you know, and that wasn't you know, overnight, right? Like I said, it's a lot of little tiny, scary steps in between, but you know, I think that change is something that is, is the reality for all of us, but it's the one thing I think we often resist the most, which is funny, right? Because nothing stays the same. Our jobs don't stay the same. Our Partners sometimes don't stay the same. Right, right. Our children certainly don't stay the same. They're right. always growing. It's
0: and so, back to that everything's always, you know, even the emotions, all of it's always shifting, right? It's gonna change is always there for us.
1: Always. And yeah. so it seems like we're often looking for, okay, I wish this would, you know, stay the way it is, and we know it won't. So I think it's about finding our footing, finding our grounding in the shifting sands and finding that solid space within ourselves in the midst of a very unsolid world.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Nice. Nice. So you were listed as the top within the top 1% of global social media influencers, which is, wow, that's really impressive. How did you find your clarity and develop what it is that you, Tamara McCleary stands for in your work today?
1: You know, it's the third piece, which we didn't touch on yet. Okay. Yes, there were three uh-huh. and that's lead. And so, you know, the first one was be real, be you, you mm-hmm. know, which is very mm-hmm. important on social media. The mm-hmm. second was be courageous, you know, really stop out there, which I've, I've done, you've done. Mm-hmm. And the third is lead and how I've, you know, managed to, really become known in the social space uh, within technology is through leading with a consistent message and being incredibly strategic about learning and becoming involved and speaking at conferences and conventions and networking and meeting people within that space. And so, you know, it's, it's the same in real life how if you're trying to be all things to all people, you're going to wear yourself down. Right on social media, it, you got to pick that swim lane as well. You get them to decide what do you, what do you want to be known for, and it kind of goes back to those adjectives again. Right? right, right. So that that strategic application that I gave earlier about you know selecting those adjectives and then being consistent in your behavior along those lines is very powerful to build a potent and powerful brand on social media. It's about deciding who it is that you are. What do you love most? What are you passionate about? And what do you want people to know you for? Right. And then constructing all of your communication within that realm. And then going back to being real, engage with people. If people you know, message you, message back. Um, be liberal with liking other people's stuff. Share other people. Be engaged human being within that space that you've chosen, you know, and I caution people, you know, as they're building their, their brand on social to not put every little thing out there because it doesn't serve. To me, there's a litmus test Mm -hmm. serves to uplift, inspire, or enlighten anyone to something new. Then it's worthy of posting, right? If it's a rant, a complaint, you just want to go off. I say, hold back, Yeah. hold back. I can't agree more with that because, you know, it's not necessarily going to edify anyone except show everyone that you have a really hard time of, you know, keeping, keeping it cool when you know, things don't, don't go well. So, you know, for those that feel like they've just got to share absolutely everything, I say, you know what, at least wait 72 hours before posting some of that stuff and if you still feel totally uh, compelled mm-hmm. to do it in 72 hours then then go right ahead but you know I really do think that social media is a platform to be a leader and a good leader not necessarily that we're being shown what good leadership is right now in our country but a good leader really isn't someone who pops off a good leader is someone who who shows by example, who emulates what it is that you hope others will also rise to be. Being a good leader, also being a good parent, is modeling the behavior you'd like to see in others. And, you know, being a leader means being conscious, being awakened to the fact that what you do affects other people, what you say affects other people. And so how do you want to affect others? Do you want to be somebody who is a change agent for good or do you want to be someone who's just known for being very popular and, you know, kind of making a muck of things?
0: Right. There was a place, um, I was looking at your website and you talked about this, being popular as a social media influencer never converts, but rather trust converts and you know, I I see a lot of people putting a lot of noise out onto social media, right? There's, there's just, you know, so much noise that's there. Can you just talk to us a bit more about how do you really, how do you personally go about building trust in your brand and how do you make the decisions around, you know, which pieces of Tamara gets shared publicly?
1: That's such a great question. It really is. Um, and I love that you're asking these questions because I think that these are really helpful for people. And I think the first thing is, popularity on social media is not real. Mm-hmm. You know the, to, to think that, to think that we know anyone truly on social media, there's a lot of versions of each person, right? depending on the projections that are put onto them. I could have a hundred people uh, in a room, and there'll be a hundred versions of me. And none of them are exactly me, right? right. They're all projections. So right. on social media, when people start to have an ego around how many followers they have, it's, it's not real. Um, you know, I think instead you look at the number of followers you have as a responsibility to curate good content, put out meaningful messages and, and be helpful, but it certainly doesn't say anything about you other than the fact that, that people find your your content interesting and that's it leave it at that i think we have to leave our egos at the door or we can't lead appropriately because it's not about us it should always be about the other that's mm-hmm. that's where i mm. truly believe it is about that's good service. Right. 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 And, um, I see, you know, unless you're a Kardashian or an actual celebrity, you really aren't popular. Right. I hate hate to break it to people who have all these thousands of followers, (laughs) but you're really all not that popular because you're not, you know, you're not, you're not a real celebrity. It's made up in your mind. So it's time to just really put out information that's going to be helpful to others and engaging with them, because that's how you instill trust. And relationships are built on trust. And so, you know, the people that I engage with on social media, and if anyone's listening and we're not connected, you know, I would be, an, it would be a blessing. I'd be honored to be connected with you if you are someone who likes to engage genuinely on social. Because building those trusted relationships, to me, those are real relationships, right? Have the most engaged, awesome people that follow me on social media. They're such blessings. I learned so much more from everyone else. So it's not about me having all this great information. I'm just a forever student. I'm learning every day and I learn as much or more from the others that I'm engaging with. And I think it's those real relationships that we're creating online. Right. Do they know every facet of my life? No, but they don't need to know. I don't need to know every facet of their life. Right. But we do have a connection that's real. We do have common interests. Otherwise, why would we be following one another on social media? And, you know, I have gotten so much business off of Twitter and LinkedIn. I've gotten so many referrals uh, through those vehicles and then it just so much warmth and caring and sharing because of the authenticity that's shared on social in a very uplifting manner, that it has created these bonds through trust. Right.
0: Right. And it, and it's based on this very common um, knowledge and information that you are sharing back and forth with one another um, from that kind of a perspective.
1: Exactly. And, you know, I think people can trust you when they know you don't pop off either. Right. right. Um, you I mean know, pop many, off, meaning? You know, like uh, get on a rant. Right. Know? right. Or how, how many of us, because, you know, we're women here and I'm, you know, sharing openly with you, like mm-hmm. you would expect. But I mean, how many of us have encountered a friendship in the past, whether it was online or off, where it was, you know, another woman who completely turned on us and was angry because we didn't do x y or z and it was really difficult to deal with because you didn't realize that there was that expectation on you right to, to deliver and you know i think that it's it's it builds trust to know that some you can depend on someone not to be needing something from you and I this other piece of leadership that I talk about frequently is the fact that we are in our highest version of ourselves when we are looking to love versus looking to be loved. Mm-hmm. And this works mm, in That's nice. It's it works business and professional. It, whenever you're in that space where you're looking for clues to see if people like you you're being accepted or if you're in a relationship and you're looking for clues to right care about me <laughs> that's a really really low vibrational place to be because mm-hmm. what happens is our brains actually will find evidence to prove our theory correct right Right. you'll find all the ways in which we aren't being loved by other people Mm -hmm. and if you can flip that whenever you catch yourself doing that whether it's in business or online or in your real life with Mm -hmm. your, your partner if you can flip it on its head and instead your job your mission is to look for ways to show others how much you appreciate and care about them Mm, so That's nice to so change that. Yeah. And you know what happens when you do that? When you step into that highest version of yourself and you are looking to love and you're looking for ways to show others that you appreciate and care about them. It's this magical transformation. Immediately you feel, you will feel love. Right. you will feel loved. You will not be in that lower space and that to me is just one incredible place of leadership. If you're a servant leader, to me there there is no more powerful place to be than a servant leader.
0: Yeah. No, I totally agree with that and I think it's it's that and bringing the word love into that feels really strong and powerful. And and and, and changes the way we resonate. Um, with the people that are in our lives. So, and, and what love can we put back out? I think that's, that's beautiful.
1: Well, you know what it does is it helps to bathe us in the highest energy we can possibly bathe ourselves Mm. in because when we are, I mean, we, that's, I believe that we really are that. We are love. And then most of the time we just forget and we're walking around kind of half asleep. But when we awaken to that and we realize we are love, we are here to uplift, to serve, to make others feel seen, heard, valued, that they matter, then we matter. Yeah. And when we get into that place, we have this other powerful emotion that can transform any situation, and that is gratitude. If you have love and you have gratitude, there is no thing that stands between you and a completely self-expressed fulfilled life.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Nice. Nice. So, when you are planning out your content strategy for the voice of Tamara over the, you know, over the course of the next year or over the over the course of the next quarter, what, what do you do? I mean, what what, how do you think through that? I am extremely strategic online. And mm-hmm. I was, I was guessing you were, then that's <laughs> why I think that question showed up because I see that and, and the presence that you show up and I totally see that strategic focus there. And so that's why I, I brought that question.
1: Yes. So I have an editorial calendar mm-hmm. and I like to plan my editorial calendar for the year, around uh major events and holidays and so i have a structure and then of course then i augment that structure on a daily basis with you know what's showing up in the day you know right. so but the themes that i stick to are the adjectives that we talked about earlier Very good. so okay. I, the themes that i stick to if you follow you know my my stream you'll see i talk a lot about you know the future And, you know, augmented reality, virtual reality, artificial intelligence, um, the changes, you know, coming up with, you know, technology such as 5G and what that's going to enable us to do Um, and just how our lives will be shifted by things like autonomous vehicles. Right. And um, I love looking into the future because what I'm doing is I'm future casting as a futurist to look at how we can create today and be proud of our creations tomorrow, because I truly believe that we must be mindful of what we are creating with this power of technology that we have. And I think we can create so much good. We can create technology to support, uplift and encourage human beings to have a better lifestyle. However, with great power, comes great responsibility Mm -hmm. and we absolutely have to wake up and not drink the Kool-Aid and just expect that this technology is going to explode around us and we have no, um, there are no consequences for that. There, There are. You have to be responsible with it. Absolutely. I mean, if you think about just even you know another area that i'm wild about i'm wild about security why am i wild about security because we all should be mindful of security and we, part of what
0: i'm hearing here is is that you know and i love that you just said this that i'm wild about it it's that deep passion that you have on these these topics that that um, that if you can wrap your content strategy around something that you're really passionate about and really want to get behind that that, that gives you solid um, fire, if you will, to add into what you're putting out there.
1: Oh, absolutely. Please be passionate about whatever topics you decide you want to talk about or yeah. you know, be involved in because, you know, otherwise, if you're not passionate about it, your life energy is not living in the message. Right. And the only way I think that people are interested in your message is if you're living in the message and mm. you know, have a purpose for it. For heaven's mm-hmm. sakes, have a purpose for being online. None of us have time. You don't have time. Yeah, don't
0: you don't want to just see the just just being on there. It's got to no. have something and a reason behind it.
1: Exactly. Because we're very, very busy women, all of us. We've yeah. a lot of responsibilities. So we don't have time to just post online that we're peeling a banana or we're ordering a latte. Nobody cares. Right. Uh, because again, remember, we're really not that popular. <laughs> <You know? laughs> It, you know, only in our own mind, right? We have to check our egos at the at the social media door. But, right. you know, it, to me, the reason I like to be very strategic about what I'm sharing is I like to think about not only what I'm passionate about, but it, to me, it's a bigger step than that. It's what does my audience care about? Because I could be passionate all day long, but if my audience really doesn't, you know, give a rip about it, they're, it it's I'm wasting my time. So exactly. Me, and there's... Yeah. It's, it's at that intersection of what are we together interested in? What kinds of conversations do we need to be having? And, you know, who's interested in these conversations? So, you know, first and foremost, as you're thinking about your content strategy, you have to think about them first. It's always servant leadership. So it's right. them first. And then once you know what your audience is interested in, or if you don't have an audience, begin to build one around the topics that you're passionate about and that way you'll have an audience that shares your interest.
0: Right.
1: But you know, you're you're planning your content strategy around, you know, what's up and coming, what's, you know, what's happening, what are people interested in talking about and how can I contribute positively to this conversation and also bring other people into this conversation who are even more expert or knowledgeable than myself and you know, you know, from my content, you see what I put up. I'm sharing other people's stuff um, all the time because I'm not really the expert. I just love talking about these subjects, but I love highlighting the experts. I love highlighting the engineers. I love highlighting the computer scientists. I love highlighting the women who are involved in technology who are rock stars because I'm not a rock star. (laughs) They oh, you are. Are. <laughs> I I just love, I yes. love, love bringing those rock stars to the people I care about. I like that message. I really do
0: like that. And it, and it is acknowledging that there's so much wisdom and so many others around you and, and, and sharing that and it makes for a richer learning experience from everyone who's learning from you because they're getting all different, you know, it's not, it's, it's not all about you, but it's, it's a, um, it's bringing all of these different experts to the table. So I like that.
1: And it's such a great excuse for me to get to learn from the best. Right. <laughs> right. Well, I
0: mean, even it's like and it's, it's, what I'm having so much fun with this with extraordinary women radio. It's like, you know, I, I am just having a blast with this. I love this. And I love bringing the wisdom of all of these wonderful women out there doing just really cool things into the world and putting their voice out there. And that to me is me. And I mean, it was the whole reason why this became part of my strategy um, because it's it's fun, and number one it's it's a heck of a lot more interesting to bring a whole lot of different experts to the table so i I like that
1: i I just think that there are so many cool things going on in the world right now that there's got to be a few that you know everyone out there listening is really interested in. So you know picking those I, I think is is where you got to go because that's what you love. you know for me. I got really interested in technology and artificial intelligence and, you know, AR and VR and all of these things because of my son. Right. So, you know, you you know, people talk about artificial intelligence and, you know, can it, you know, really converse and emulate human beings. And, you know, if you're, you know, steeped as steeped in the autism world that I am, I've seen where, you know, we, we have, you know, kids who were trying to teach, Just like AI is being taught right now, how to read people, how to figure out whether or not the person is happy or sad, Uh, you know, read the room before you enter the conversation, you know, all of these things that we are teaching kids who were not born with that innate ability to read other people you realize we're doing that with artificial intelligence right now. So when people say to me, do you think AI will ever be able to emulate, you know, being a human being, such uh-huh. as be a chat bot and be able to respond to humans? I say yes, because I've seen us have to teach these aspects to kids who are born without that innate ability to read people and figure out just based on what somebody's looking like, you know, trying to figure right. them out. So. AI and all of all of the technology pieces and the ways to help human beings communicate and how kids on the spectrum really do better with uh, AI robots than they do with actual human beings. Why? Because they don't have the pressure of having to try to read the robot. The robot is very straightforward. The robot is is easier for them to deal with, and right. so because technology, the intersection of that with you know, kids on the autism spectrum, in my own you know journey with my son, it got me wildly excited about um, this on a much deeper level, and what it's going to mean for us in the future, and right. you know, what our future is going to look like.
0: Right. And how you can be an important part of moving that forward and making a difference with your gifts um, of being able to help translate this, you know, kind of back to that, you know, the nursing analogy of all the different things that you can do. You can take these complex things and make them um, in a way that people can understand it and you can, you know, make the right decisions around. I mean, so all those things fit right into being able to Take you the gifts of you and to be able to take that further and
1: make a difference with it. It's a messy, messy life. Yes. We all lead. Isn't it, it? But isn't it beautiful? It is. And, you know, I think it's just good for all of us to remember, you know, especially with social media, that we're not seeing all the aspects of someone's life. And right. you know, you, you're really only seeing the uplifting pieces. And mm-hmm. so oftentimes I think that people can be hard on themselves and judge themselves because they're thinking, you know, I don't live a perfected life like this other person. But right. the one thing I would want us all to remember is neither do they. Nobody's life is perfect. Everyone's right. lives are messy. Everyone suffers serial disappointment. Everyone yes. suffers, and you're not going to see that online because it's not the place for it. It'd be right. like showing up to the boardroom and like laying it all out there. It's just not what you do. And so, you know, we have to remember to take social media with a grain of salt mm. and then realize that our messy, imperfect lives are just like everyone else's messy, imperfect lives, and the perfection is in the midst of that imperfection. That's what makes us deliciously human and not AI, right? Right.
0: I mean, if if we were in that space of, you know, that human part of us is what is beautiful and that human part of us Mm -hmm. um, is what lets us live and grow and evolve because that's what pushes and moves us. So it's all so beautiful.
1: Yes. And even if it, it doesn't seem like it when you're in the middle of a really big mess, (laughs) yeah, it's, you know, this too shall pass. That's all I can, can say that'll make it better is that this too shall pass. Uh, this has been fantastic. I would love to close
0: with just three quick pearls of wisdom that you can leave our audience with today. And I know you've already shared so many already. Um, but just what are three things that you would like to say to our audience to, to take as they're moving forward into their
1: journey, as they're evolving, as they're growing in their lives. You know, take some time for yourself Mm. and, you know, think about what it is that you may want to do that you're not currently doing. If there's a shift in your life you want to take, if there's some part of you that's not feeling fully self-expressed, you know, take some time for you, you know, reach out, get help. You don't have to do everything all by yourself. Right. You know, that's it, one thing that I think women do to themselves. Don't I mean, we? You have it's, to do it's, it
0: all. Yeah, exactly, and it's and it's having help around us is the the best thing that we can do for ourselves on that.
1: Yeah, and you know the the trick is this: you have to take the action yourself. So mm-hmm. you you alone do have to step out in action, but you don't have to do it by yourself. Right. And the third is. You can have, you know, anything you want, anything, just not everything. Mmm, that's good. So choose. what's
0: most choice, important.
1: Right? And right. that's where you're going to remember we talked about one, be yourself, two, be courageous. And third, lead.
0: right. right. Well, thank you so much, Tamara, for all your wisdom today. It's been just a pleasure and a delight. I um, really enjoyed, and I know our listeners are going to love you. Thank you.
1: Thank you so much. It's been an honor to serve, and I look forward to connecting with new friends.
0: Absolutely. Oh, and w- just real quickly, how can people um, find out about you
1: and where can they, they reach you? Okay. Let's get together online. So on Twitter, it's Mm -hmm. just my name. So it's at Tamara McCleary and that's T-A-M-A-R-A-M-C-C-L-E-A-R-Y. LinkedIn, the same, Tamara McCleary. And my website, TamaraMcCleary.com. Pretty easy, huh? When you're Absolutely. Lying, you have to keep the variables variables pretty slim, so I have to keep <laughs> myself. That way I don't forget myself. <laughs> That's right. That's right. Well, thank you so much. It's been a pleasure. Thank you so much. It's an honor. Have a good day.
0: I hope you liked this episode of Extraordinary Women Radio. If you did, please share this podcast with your own special tribe of women and help spread the love, the dreams, and the inspiration. Are you thinking about making the next bold move in your life? I invite you to take the Your Next Bold Move quiz at KamiGelner.com to find out how you can jumpstart a passionate and meaningful next chapter. You may also enjoy my book, Fire Dancer, Your Spiral Journey to a Life of Passion and Purpose, which is available on Amazon. In Fire Dancer, you will become intimately connected to your heart's calling and build the courage and resiliency to ignite your what's next. I'd love to hear from you on any of my social media channels. I'm on both Facebook and Twitter, and the links are available on my website. Till next time, my friend, listen to your heart, follow your dreams, and be you.